1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Michael Goodman is the man, the last remaining objective journalist in America. Hey, chief political columnist for the New York Post. Michael, welcome back to the show. Always great to have you with us. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you. Uh, Michael, dying to hear your take on the January 6th committee hearing. Uh, Were you moved to tears by chance? I'm just asking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was moved uh, to change the channel. Oh, man. Can you believe that? I mean, I... I mean, we, you know, we were playing it all morning long. We're playing uh, Adam Kinzinger, and then we're playing Schiff, and then we followed that up with Jimmy Swaggart crying and apologizing. You know? so it's like, I mean, what do these people think? Like, how, Are they afraid for themselves, do you think, Michael? Is that what this is all about? I,
2: I think it's almost like uh, giving CNN a fix, you know, where viewers, uh, they need their anti-Trump uh, message of the day. And so Nancy Pelosi complied by creating this commission, which is not designed to learn anything, but merely to uh, reach the partisan decibel level that you can find by just appealing to the anti-Trumpers. Uh, that's all it is. It's not about Finding out the facts of what happened. I mean, anybody who's been reading or watching or listening knows what happened that day. Uh, but they don't want to go beyond that. They just want to repeat, repeat the emotional, uh, low points for, uh, the people who, who watched it live. I mean, this, this is what news has become in Congress. It's not about, you, you never, you, you rarely, I should say, he, learn anything new watching a congressional hearing anymore. What you do is you get reinforced on your prejudices and on your knowledge. And so it doesn't break new ground. And so I think Congress has become, you know, just like a rerun of uh, your favorite partisan ideas and moments. Uh, It's tragic what and I blame Nancy Pelosi mostly because I think she has become so partisan and she just hated Donald Trump with such a vengeance that she could not see straight. And so, I mean, the double impeachments, even, you know, including the one after he left office, I mean, all of the none of this is about good government. None of it's about the Constitution. It's about partisan, partisan, partisan all the time. And look, we shouldn't kid, kid ourselves. I mean, politicians play politics, but they're also supposed to do the the good things for the country regardless of politics if politics lines up with that so much the better for them but they're not supposed to be 100 percent partisan and that's what it's become and i think that is the death of it because it's boring it's predictable it's the same thing over and over so i saw that yesterday i said i know what happened i know what this show is about I'll watch something else.
1: Yeah, amen. I think you're, I think a lot of people felt that way. But walk me through this. I have to be careful with this, uh, Michael. Uh, and we understand uh, it was really dumb to go into the Capitol, but this they're calling this an insurrection. Politicians are crying and because they're so visibly shaken. Capitol police officers are crying because they're so visibly shaken. The guys, most of the people who ran in to the Capitol had horns on and were dressed like mamalukes, just walking around aimlessly, most of the people. So if they were afraid of this, and it's the United States Capitol – how much of a danger are we in? That what if there was a, an, an Islamic fundamentalist? I, I said this earlier. What if there was? What if the communists, the, the the communists in China, decide to really take over the capital? We are we that vulnerable? Apparently we are. I'm answering my own question. But how scary is it? They're they're frightened to death, and it was just a bunch of ragtag people who just happened to to run in and and cause a little bit of havoc, but mostly just walking around, and that scares me, frankly well
2: it, it, and, and
1: that's why I,
2: why i am not opposed to uh, to an investigation of what happened but part of the answer to what you're raising joe is that why were they police not better prepared for this exactly. Exactly. and that goes to the heart of the command and control structure which leads ultimately to Nancy Pelosi uh, the, and the mayor of Washington, D.C., who turned down the request for uh, National Guard early on. The FBI, uh, as it so does so many times, uh, picked up this intelligence and supposedly sent it to the Capitol Police, but the Capitol Police never got it or the right people never saw it. So What are we to do about that? That would seem to be a primary focus of this kind of investigation. But that's not what Nancy Pelosi wants to do. She wants to just tar Donald Trump and the and the
0: handful,
2: relative handful, I should say, of people who came there with intent to do harm. There clearly were some people who planned this, who orchestrated the, the, uh, the uh, break into to parts of the Capitol. I mean, people with crowbars and baseball bats smashing windows, they're not innocent people. They That's came right. with an intent. And there, how many of those were there? Uh, and I think one of the things that has happened in this investigation is that, uh, including the federal part of this, is that it has lumped them all together. And so if you walked into the Capitol – uh, when the doors were opened and maybe the police even opened the door for you, uh, you were, seems to me, being treated similarly to those who brought crowbars and baseball bats to break windows and and to try to uh, chase down Pelosi or Mike Pence. Uh, I mean, to lump them all together is a great disservice. Yeah. To the facts and to the people who play different roles. I mean, not everybody there is equally guilty of the most violent crimes. And that is what I think the prosecutors have not done fairly.
1: That's so true. And you think those people with the bats and with it, they were just uh, attacking federal pr- police, which just incensed me, by the way, that you would uh, attack a police officer. I thought perhaps they are from the outside, maybe from an Antifa like group, Michael. Uh, that's a logical deduction. Yes.
2: Well, they clearly are not mainstream people, whether they're left or far left or far right. I, I don't know. I suspect there was a bit of both, mm-hmm. but that they should not be excused no matter which side they're on. They should yeah. be treated equally under the law. I'm more defensive, I guess, about the people who uh, went there to protest uh, and somehow got into the Capitol. And how they got into the Capitol should make all the difference. We saw a video, Joe, of police opening yes. the doors yes. and welcoming people in. Yes. I don't know how you can charge those people with a crime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it just it defies logic. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think this is something of a show trial that we're witnessing here. That was a show trial hearing yesterday designed to inflame and to enforce prejudices, not to enlighten. And so I I, I just think that we're, we're stuck now in this country, in this political standoff, where whoever has the power is using it to further entrench their own power and to punish the other side that's not what government power is supposed to be about in america
1: amen michael goodman always speaking the truth before we let you go sir your new piece for the new york post uh, michael is all about how governor cuomo is a true believer of what he says whether it's truth or not how insulated is the governor do you think michael that he would start to believe some of the falsehoods and distortions pushed by his administration
2: well, I think he is the main culprit in that uh, system. He, he, Everybody there around him doesn't speak without his approval. Uh, they say nothing. They write nothing. They tweet nothing without Andrew Cuomo's sign-off. He is the ultimate micromanager. And so uh, the lies coming from him as administration, I believe, uh, are orchestrated by him. Uh, now, w- what I write in the column is the story of a an older, since deceased columnist who was uh, uh, well known when I was a young man, named Murray Kempton. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at City Hall uh, covering uh, uh, covering the mayor and the city council, et cetera, uh, for the New York Times. I was I was a very young reporter. And uh, I asked Murray Kempton, and I said, you know, Murray, I'm just shocked by how much they lie to us all the time. And Murray had been around the block a few times, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, why shouldn't they lie to you? They lie to themselves all the time. And uh, and that that has stuck with me because I think that you know when you hear a politician who's got zero chance in hell of winning an election saying I sense the momentum we're gaining we're gonna we're gonna pull this out you know they believe that most of the time and I think Andrew Cuomo. Uh, has convinced himself that he has done nothing wrong, that everything he has done has been good and honest and true. I believe he's convinced himself of that. But just like, you know, bank robbers convince themselves that uh, they deserve the money they're about to steal. I mean, he has lost all touch with reality because uh, I believe, Joe, that he is in a kind of uh, competition with his deceased father. Uh, Mario Cuomo had three terms as governor, Andrew has to have four. Mario never made it to the White House, though he wanted to, Andrew is going to get there. Uh, I think it's that kind of, you know, full speed ahead, blinders on, get out of my way or I'll crush you. That's what I think is going on in Albany right now. And it's very destructive and Cuomo has no friends. But uh, he's got lots of charges against him, credible charges by these women, especially, and also how he hid the the facts on the nursing home deaths from COVID. Uh, that he helped to cause with his stupid public health order, forcing uh, nursing homes to take COVID yeah. patients. Yeah. Uh, so he's got, a, he's got a lot, and his way of answering all of it is to crush the opposition, to deny, 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 and and to threaten other people. That's his way of governing.
1: Michael Goodwin. And, you know, we always open the airways to uh, Andrew Cuomo. And I, I used to know him years ago, you know. Michael, I used to yeah. know him. And, and, and he seemed like such a good guy. I think he was in private practice at the time after he was uh, heading HUD. And now I don't get a call. They don't call. I want to hear a grounded person explain them. So they don't call. So, listen, uh, uh, the phone calls, you know, the phone lines are open. Michael, we appreciate when you reach out to us, my friend. You know, you, I know you're very, very busy, but uh, we always, always look forward Uh, To your time with us on the show. So have a great, great. uh, Are you? Do you relax for the summertime, Michael Goodman? If I can ask for a second, do you go? I
2: I do. Sure. I I I like to garden, Joe. I'm I'm a putterer. (laughs) (laughs) I walk, but you know I have a little dog. But uh, I garden. That's my that's my pleasure. That's my pleasure hobby.
1: Oh gosh, I hear you loud and clear, Michael. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you you what I'm enjoying today, just briefly.
2: Yes, please.
1: Figs. My first oh, fig. wait. You're not even Italian. What is this? How could you grow figs? Every Italian guy grows figs, and they bring a fig tree, a fig
2: tree. I'm, I'm not Italian, but I love figs, and I grow them,
1: sometimes successfully even. <laughs> sometimes successfully. It's an art form. Michael, we yeah. send it love and respect, sir. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.